Um, I mean, th- it's not a blizzard <laughs> right mm, now. Yeah. It did. So I, I will, you and I joke a lot about the weather because I live in good weather and you live in garbage weather. Yes. It did snow yesterday morning here. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I mean, it didn't stick on the ground like the snow melted right. before it hit the ground, but yeah. it still snowed. Yeah, well, good. I hope, uh, I hope it continues because, you know, screw everybody outside of where I live because you <laughs> you, you folks, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. Hey, well, I, I mean, I'm jealous of the folks who live in like Hawaii or Los Angeles as well, as far as weather goes. So. I'm jealous of the people that live in the UK. It's like just, you get green all year round. Like, trees are always, I mean, trees die, but the grass is still there. Oh, I miss it. I can't wait. I, like, I can't wait to go back to the UK. And you get there and you just see so much just beauty. And, you know, and, and you look around and there's trees and there's beauty and you, you just keep looking. And then, and there's uh, someone gobbing on the ground. And then you think, oh, okay. It's a real mixture of the UK. So I'm excited <laughs> though. Yeah. I mean, I've already cut, I cut my grass. I think I mowed the lawn the middle of March was the first time I had to cut the grass here. Yeah. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Whatever the weather. I like I'm not I'm not talking about this. Like my mother in law says to me, Oh, there's a there's a storm coming. I'm like, I laughed because I thought she was joking, but she's she wasn't joking. So I'm not talking about weather. It is, is a touchy topic. All right. Okay. Well let's talk let's talk about product market fit instead. Cool. Yeah, you wanted to do an update because um we kind of oh, yeah. got our tests we pretty much got our tests shipped and we've we migrated. I mean, I want to talk about this because I know we have engineers who listen and Ruben Gomez thinks that we're really impressive technically. So I want to keep up, you know, want him to think we look good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to nerd out briefly. And then if you want to get into the features we've done. So sure. we've been on Heroku with our dashboard, not with our collector, with our dashboard for a long time. And it was due to database reasons. Now, what was happening is we couldn't connect over and over and over with Lambda. And people that use Lambda know this, you know, use MySQL, they use something called RDS proxy, which is basically connection pooling. Now, we had to move to Heroku so that we could actually use persistent connections to connect to the database, which made it work. And so we're in this spot where we're on Heroku, we're paying a ridiculous amount of money for what we're getting. And it also wasn't as good. Like we'd have a, ca- a very occasional, we'd have very occasional dashboard errors. And it's because it, like, it doesn't auto scale unless you spend even more money. And it just, it just gets ridiculous. And I don't mind spending money for things like our collector where, you know, spend a bunch of money and it has to auto scale. Spending it for our dashboard, I don't know, like when you don't need to, but you kind of need to because you can't get the auto scaling unless you pay a huge premium. That just, it doesn't, doesn't sit well with me. So anyway, long story short, we're now back from Heroku to Vapor. We're using Octane, which is a something that the Laravel team built to make Laravel even faster, keeps it in memory, uh, keeps your application in memory, and it just it's rapid. And our dashboard is now faster than it's ever been. We've upgraded our database. We've doubled it in size as well, which has added additional speed. And uh, we've we finished our tests, and we're, we're good. We're feeling good. So that's all come to a close, really. Nice. I think didn't you didn't you post something on Twitter about how fast querying the data is now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I posted about. So people know this that when you have a bunch of rows in your database, 
if you're wanting to add a column, you like you kind of get nervous about it, you know, or you do it at midnight when no one's working on the system that you work on. And I remember this, even on a few million rows, I'd have to do, you know, take it offline. Well, not take it offline, but I knew it was going to lock up the database if I had to add a column. And so we've got, <laughs> we have billions and billions of rows and we can add a column to our rows and it, it took something like 30 seconds and there was no, no locking or, or no lagging. Mm. And I posted about that and then I got into a few other details, but things are fast. And also I said to you last night, we haven't actually repartitioned our database and I'm not going to get nerdy on, on that too much, but once we repartition it, we're going to get a performance increase because right now it's not, we've got, uh, I, think got 60, I want to say 64 cores and you're meant to have one core per partition typically hmm. and we don't have that and so okay this is an area where i don't fully understand the technical stuff so i couldn't couldn't even talk about it but long story short things are going to get even faster which is great hooray <laughs> and with all the tests and with all of that stuff done means that we can we can come back to features which is always my favorite thing. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, that's, all that good stuff. Yeah. So this last, I guess, it's a, <laughs> the first week of April, I don't know when this is coming out, but the first week of April, we launched a bunch of new features. Um, so what did we launch? We added filters for searches. So the search button, the little magnifying glass in, in some of the boxes allows you to create a filter now for, I yeah. think it's is like and is not like, something like yeah, that. The whole dashboard, yeah. Yeah, so you can do things like wildcard searches, which folks have been asking us for a while on. And it just it's just an easier way to find stuff and then filter the dashboard. So that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Second thing we did was currency symbols. It's amazing how many people <laughs> have been asking for this in events, adding not just the dollar sign, but things like the euro sign, the pound sign. There's a bunch of other ones that we've added as well as the ability to have um, no currency symbol or uh, nothing at all. Yes. It's just a little feature, but it's just something that, I mean, I would, if I had software and I logged in and I wanted to create something and it was like, oh, it's just, this is not the currency for that, that I use where I live, I'd be like, eh. so I'm really glad that we added that because I think it's, uh, it's such a tiny feature, but... It's, you know it's uh, customers too, it's like people's customers. You know, it's like, why is it showing in dollars? Because it's yeah. like a British company. I know, I've had similar things to that, and I know exactly how that feels. You haven't really then got an answer as a as an agency or something, and it's mm -hmm. just this thing that kind of annoys the customer. And there are customers like that. But also, we added integer as an option. So mm -hmm. we had something, um, I believe it was from Matt, um, Matt on Twitter. He actually said, uh, I use the value to send an integer over. You know, he's tracking, I don't know if it's tracking downloads or he's tracking something. And so he said, you know, could we have an integer option where we don't divide it by 100? Because by default, we have it as cents. And I thought mm. to myself, that's actually great. Like, we're going to have things soon where, you know, dynamic parameters or dynamic properties. But if someone's using the value, why wouldn't we support integer? I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a good idea. Um, we also, what was the other thing we did? Oh, yeah, we we updated the chart. So it now, if you select all time, it doesn't show from, the chart doesn't show from Jan 1, 2017 till current. It shows from the start of data collection for that dashboard to current, which just makes did the we chart. That? That, we think. did. Are you sure? We did. Yes. Okay. It, it doesn't update 
it, which it probably will by the time we launch this. It still says Jan 1, 2017 right. in the date picker thing, but the chart itself updates. Well, cool. Okay. I don't even remember. Last week, there was a lot <laughs> now going I need on. To, now I need to double check. Now I'm doub- doubting it. Let me just click no, all, all time. Good. We've been on a test site too. So it's, you know, there's, there's stuff. Yeah. That no, it's live. Place, you know. It's okay. live. I see it. Yeah. Cool. A lot happened last week, so I can't remember everything. It was a busy, busy week. And, yeah. You know, I was having to review pull requests, and it, it was a lot. So we've, we've had a very good week, and this week's going to be good too. Yeah. And then I guess the only other update is Google Analytics Importer will hopefully be out either very soon, or it'll already be out when this episode drops. Yeah, I'm well, sure. and that's, that's the fun from the previous episode. I said it would be live by the end of March. <laughs> um, well, it's it's stupid because it works, right? We ran it, yeah. Im- imported data from years ago, and it doesn't just import it and kind of dump it. You can filter through the data. Right? Where where Google makes it available, you can filter through the data, which is nuts. So we're using Fathom's interface to filter through Google's data, or no, well, I suppose not Google's data, your data, mm-hmm. which is just absolutely remarkable. But the thing is, there's there's a whole bunch of rate limiting stuff, and it's just it's the documentation is just a complete headache isn't it? it it's it's been a bit of a uh, uphill fight and so we just have to get the rate limiting kind of tweaked and you know in good in good shape and then we'll be good but the, to get the rate limiting working it's like we can't we couldn't have a situation where we're constantly just delaying a job over and over in sqs we need to actually think about how we're going to be dispatching these jobs in the most optimal fashion so mm-hmm. that, that's where we are with it. There's a few nuances that came up and whatever. I, I'm, I'm sure. I, I feel like I don't promise things going live as much as I used to. And no. like, this is like stupid things always come up. But you that's know, you, a, you, like, you have to ridiculous. factor that in though. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, why have live dates for anything then? Like, do you only ever talk about something going live? But then th- things can happen then. You, like, you say, oh yeah, this is going to go live. And then you go to put it live and then, oh, wait, you're, you know, something's not going to work because of something you could never have anticipated. So you just never talk about stuff until it's live. That's basically what the option is, right? Or talking about stuff is coming soon, not having, it will be, I guarantee that it will be live by the end of March. Is like just, yeah, you 100% guaranteed that it would be live by the end of March. Okay. Whereas... It's Supposedly, going to be live soon. Yeah, I don't think I said that. I think because you've been playing around with that tool where you can use my voice to say stuff. So like, <laughs> if you've added that in and, and done this whole episode is just a deep fake. I'm just talking you, to myself. <laughs> do you know something? <laughs> do you know something like it, life is about progress. And whilst I may have not completely stopped giving launch dates for things for our listeners who've been with us for a while, I was much worse with this stuff. And I've always been bad with it. And if you, you know, me on support, you know, you had to tell me, like, stop fucking saying that stuff's going to be live. <laughs> and so what I do now on support, and I really enjoy this, we'll, you know, we say we get something and we we'll talk about it and then we build it and go back to them. That's way more fun. So oh, yeah. I'm going to keep, keep trying to focus on that. We had some, the, the whole like thing was, I kind of, I saw this ticket. I said to you, like, what do you think? Like, could we do X, 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 Y, and Z? We're like, yeah, we can do it. And then we shipped it in more. Like, a day yeah so like, yeah, that's more it was fun. awesome and then we went back and emailed all the folks who had asked for it in support which i agree i thought that was really fun to do yeah so i'm getting better but i still might slip up yeah. occasionally 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a work in progress is what I am. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I saw someone say that the other week and it was, so, oh no, it was Will like, Smith. Was it Will Smith? I don't know who it was. It's like someone oh did something really douchey. It's like, I'm a work in progress. It's like, really? This is a, oh. this is a Will Smith free podcast. Oh really? Okay, fine. Yeah. Fine, fine. Yeah. Oh, so how are you slapping? Oh, sorry. Product market right, yeah. fit. Product market fit. Yes, of course. <laughs> Yeah, interesting topic. It's always been talked about on Twitter. You know, I kind of um, we talk about it a bit, and you know, we had that conversation the other the other month. Someone's business failed, and you know, I'm curious because I I like to try and help people if I can on Twitter when I see things, and I sent it to you, and I said, I, like I said, I, I'm annoyed by this page, and it was because I couldn't work out what the point of the business was, mm. and and I, like we could have been part of the target audience because it sounded like they were talking to people like us but it was just a bunch of jargon and then you read it and you felt the exact same way and it's sort of been this thought's been in my head over and over that people actually do develop a uh, kind of like an entrepreneurial muscle in a way where someone like someone like you like even me now to, to a point can look at things and can see why they're not working or see things not necessarily see how to fix things and make them work but see things that you should try to tweak right like things that like the next steps to take you're not just guessing like there's some history and some skill set to know what to try not not to guarantee success that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying that like entrepreneurs know everything about everything. I'm saying that they know the right things to try to try and produce success. That's what I mean. Hmm. I think, I guess I kind of go, I kind of flip flop on, on whether product market fit is strategy or just a trailing metric. Like I think, so I think that you can stack the deck. You can be strategic about product market fit in so much as you can, know how to look at a problem and see if there's a monetizable solution, which is all products really are, is like monetizing, solving a problem, right? Mm -hmm. And that's Fathom does that as fairly well, I think, with, with the way that we, with the way that we do things. But yeah, I think that there is some entrepreneurial muscle, like you said, where you can, you can, have a a better idea of the thing of the hypotheses you want to test and then that can lead to better product market fit and validation and all of that but i also think that until you try those things it it does feel like there is like you said there is some luck involved so maybe it's both maybe it is there luck's always involved yeah. yeah there can be some strategy but product market fit is also a trailing metric because you could say and this was a big thing many many years ago um where it was like you don't you can't really validate something until there's money involved like i could when i when I had an audience, I could have said, hey, would you buy this thing from me? And like every single person would have been like, I'd totally buy it from you. But if I had like a, would you buy this from me? Here's the buy button. Like the number of people who click that button <laughs> would be so much less than all the people who said they would buy it. Right. So I think there's yeah. some level of what well, needs to be tested in the real world. And there's ways to do that. Like we did that. I did that with a bunch of products where I like pre-sold it, where I sold um, like the smallest version. Pot. I mean, Fathom, I guess, was that too. Like we had two 
we had the fathom, the first version of fathom that we had for sale was i think you could see top pages and top refers mm-hmm. like that single, we our, our yeah our paid product was the smallest version possible of the of the problem that we were trying to solve and if that didn't sell fathom wouldn't be the product that it is now if Fathom stops selling at V2 or V3 launch, then it wouldn't be the product that it is now. So there's always this kind of checking in to see against real trailing metric data to to see if there's a fit or not. And I mean, we adjust all the time. We change things all the time. We launch features all the time, right? So With yeah. what you said, and this is where it, differ- it differs between bootstrappers or independent companies, whatever you want to call us and VC-backed companies. So we look at people spending money on a product. That is validation for us because that means we can build a profitable, sustainable business because there's instant revenue. A VC will just see user retention as the validation, which like, if you're a VC, I think that's fine because then what they do is they hire people to... (laughs) There's things like chief monetization officers and there's this whole (laughs) kind of sector where they work out, okay, how do we make money out of this? And so I don't know anything about that. And it's not something that interests me because it's like, yeah, you've got attention. Now you've got to try and monetize it. Like Facebook did that. And I think that when you haven't got money from the get-go, but you've got people using your service and it's popular, there are compromises that can be made. And so what I mean by that is look at Facebook. They did not develop an ethical business model and they just ended up invading your privacy and they still do. So I think that it gives you less options. Yeah, I mean, I think the the end will cover fast on another episode, but there there are oh, yeah. there are companies who I I just think that it's it's so much of a there's so much risk involved when it's like okay we're going to um, optimize for attention or use of a platform and then work backwards into well we can probably monetize it it's probably going to be ads like let's be honest all of these yeah. companies that look to monetize later typically do it with advertisements or, or privacy invasions so and that's much harder <laughs> doing it this it's much easier it getting money from the start and it's yeah i guess it's less risky and i guess you could argue that maybe it's less of a boom right so like facebook versus mailchimp I don't know if MailChimp was... I'm trying to think of examples of companies that charge money from the start but still got big. Like Facebook didn't... Yeah, okay, so there you go then. So it's still got big, but it's never going to be Facebook big, you know? And uh, and that's that's fine because everyone has different goals of running a company. Like, honestly, I don't don't care about running a multi... You know, it just doesn't appeal to me. So I think it always comes back to what... Going into things, knowing what you want to do. So if you're going in as an independent maker and you're looking to get your product market fit, you should be looking for someone to give you some money for sure. Otherwise it's just all talk. And I've done that. The, my, my, my big failure with raw gains was that, you know, talk, 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 but there was never any money. And I had this delusion in my head that it was just going to sell instantly. Uh, this is like going through failures is essential. You need to have some kind of skin in the game. You can't just, you can't just read about things and think, you know, about stuff. You need to actually go through it and experience it i think like you, you can't, you just, can't just write it. you can't just write about it on media or read about it on yeah media. and tweet about it you know and it's <laughs> like i'm reading a bunch of books on weightlifting oh okay now i'm just i'm in the best shape ever when i'm really strong i honestly think it's like a muscle i don't think it's something you can just learn from a book like sure you can learn theories 
but like you need to put things into practice. And then once you start, it's not comparable with lifting weights. There's, there's more nuance to it, but there are things that change like energy and like the psychology of lifting. Okay. It's not, it's not a one-to-one comparison here, <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? There's, you have to actually go through it. And so failing is a good thing. And you try things and you maybe try and speak to people that might have ideas. And, and that's where they talk about mentors. It's super valuable if you can get a hold of a mentor because they know the things to try. Or like they don't know the things to try, but they can come up with ideas. And those ideas come from a place of actually doing it, not just talking a, a big game because anyone could talk a big game. And so... Yeah, that, that's been on my mind a lot. And I think to make this useful for people listening who might be interested in starting their business, or you know, I know we have listeners who have got code written and they struggle to find product market fit. Well, it could be a whole issue with how you're doing that. You know, you, like, you've written all this code, but you haven't actually got any customers. Which, which I've, I've been there and done that. And I'm Paul. I'm sure you've done that in, in your past. Mm-hmm. Um, you built something, you have no real validation, and no one's come. Yeah. I don't, I guess, yeah, I mean, that definitely has happened to me in the past. And I, I used to think that it was, it was, it was an audience building problem, but I don't think that that encompasses all of the answer, or at least I don't think now that you need to build an audience, then find a way to monetize them. Because that actually sounds a lot like now that I'm thinking about it, that sounds a lot like what we were just talking about with like VC back companies, but there's no money involved. Or like mm, you build yeah. an audience on like YouTube or, or a mailing list or something like that. And then you try to back into, well, how do I how do I monetize this and make more money than whatever platform is is generating for me in terms of like revenue? And I don't think that's always the case. Like we didn't build an audience for Fathom and then build Fathom. Cool. Like I guess we had audiences and then built it. But I think it was more that we saw something that in the market that could be solved and could be solved for money. And we just kept finding more and more people who agreed that that problem could cost money to solve. And it just grew from there. Like we, I don't like, we didn't really build a fathom audience. We built a product where people, I guess, had the same problem that we did initially and were willing to pay for it, I think. Yeah. And the, the product market fit is not binary. Uh, think the market changes and, you know, you don't just because someone's, you know, you get a bit of validation, you should never be complacent with that. I think a lot of people was talking about this with someone recently. It's not a binary. And like, and even people, people view signals differently. I was talking with someone about, um, they were talking about they got social media attention, they got hack and use front page or whatever. And it's like, I had my, my validation. It's like, that's not validation. And a lot of people <laughs> think of things like, but it's how you view signals, right? Yeah. And you can't, can't floor people for that because people talk about, a lot of people talk about that as being validation. Validation is where, like to me, to me, good validation is where you've got people that are signing up for your product or that they're, they're, they're eager to give you their money. Like, I mean, Laravel Shift is a great example of this. This software, it's like, we will update your software for you and do a pull request and you've got to review the pull request and you're going to charge you whatever. I'm like, shut up and take my money. It is literally <laughs> what I think. So something like that where people are so eager to give you their money or you're starting off and you know, you're getting a few people and you're, lo- you're listening to what people are saying. So 
when you do have an audience and you have, you know, like you had your newsletter, um, we wrote, we write content, we still write content and we put out value to the world. We find people, we bump into people through that and they ask us for stuff. And when people are asking you for stuff and multiple people are asking you for stuff, that's quite often a good sign. And I mm. think every time we've had that, I mean, API is a fantastic example. How many people were asking for the API? Then we launched it and people were like, woohoo. And the same thing's going to happen with a few other things we've got planned. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe not, maybe not to the same degree, but when people are just asking you and your customers are asking you for certain things, there's a chance that there's um, a bunch of people that aren't talking about it that want you to be doing that same thing. And we really noticed that with the API. Uh, we really noticed that with, with the legal stuff, but the legal stuff ties in more with, with legal luck, I would say. It's preparation meeting opportunity because you know the ruling happened we were the only company. I think we were like the only company in the world to actually listen to it that wasn't yeah. com- that wasn't just EU based. Obviously, we're international. We have EU and US. I believe we're the only um, distributed company that listened to it. Uh, you know, a few companies that lie to their customer. I talked about this before. I'm not going to go into it yeah. again. Yeah. But that's preparation meeting opportunity because we saw the ruling happen in 2020, and mm-hmm. we was like, we were like, shit, we got to do something about this. We didn't know if it was going to pay off. We did it because it was the right thing to do because we're a compliant company. And what happened was Google Analytics got ruled illegal, and then suddenly, boom, everyone floods to fathom for that reason. <laughs> Our competitors scrambled around, which is yeah. really funny to see. Yeah. Um, but the, I, the point is that product market fit isn't just this this binary thing. It's like you have to work on it. Yeah. And I mean, if I think about it, like nobody, not a single person on my mailing list asked me for a privacy-focused analytics product. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't just listen to them and build the thing. I did listen to them and sure. build things like Creative Class and Chimp Essentials, which generated <laughs> um, decent revenue for me. But, like, mm-hmm. I, it, that's not like that's not the only way to do it. You can't just be like, oh, well, I can't launch anything because nobody's I asking me for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like I, we started Fathom without that. Like, nobody was asking us for this. <laughs> B2 was also, you have to have ideas when you're with something, right? Because mm-hmm. you you should be talking to people and you should be getting ideas, but you can still try stuff without talking to people to an extent, right? Like I can I can have ideas, you can have ideas, and, and we may have, you know, 15%, 20% hit rate, and that may be enough to grab people. So, like, you need to have ideas, I think, if you haven't got that um, that input. So, you know, we had ideas before version two, we put things into place that people hadn't asked for that we felt were needed for a product like this. Mm-hmm. And then we also put in things that people had asked for because there was a tiny amount of people asking for certain things. And, you know, the SEO was great as well. People would find us and they'd ask, you know, you're missing this, you're going to be doing this. So we had a mixture of stuff. We launched version two and then suddenly it, 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 we're not talking like, I'm talking like zero to hundred K MRR overnight. We're talking about um, an increase in trials. And uh, I guess, would you call it tail end where things take a while to take effect, but then you have that yeah. tail end of launching version two. We did notice that. And then from there, it's just been awareness and refinement of the product. That's all it's been. And product market, I don't know, like product market fit feels so intuitive to me. And it's very clear. Like say, for example, I was doing board games again. Um, if I was doing more games, so the way I did it before, I'll talk about how I did it and how I failed. I sure. talked about it briefly before. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to build this product. I know everything that needs to be done. I'm going to go for, so you can give a personal trainer. You can use it. You can be a, a, a client and use it. Oh, and then me might offer coaching services as well through it. And I'm doing all this stuff and it's just ridiculous. And I've got no paying customers. 
And so I build this thing, I build all this functionality, I delay going live because I've got to have this, this, and this. And then I launch and then I don't get, I haven't got a single and hadn't got a single paying customer. And so if I was going to do that differently this time, I would, I'd, I'd construct a minimum set of features. I'd look at the, the, um, the competition in the space and look at where I'd want to go. I would, I'd, I feel like I would build something first because I wouldn't want to go in with nothing. I don't think you can just say, oh, I'm thinking about building something. Or maybe I would. Maybe I'd actually network with some gym owners or some personal trainers and try and find a way to provide value to them. And maybe I, you know, maybe I'd write some, using my current skill set, maybe I'd try and write some content for them for SEO. I'd try and give something to them. And so like, could you, could you help me? I'm trying to build this thing. Can you give me some things you're struggling with? Maybe that's how I'd start. What are you struggling with? Or what don't you like about what you're currently using? That's probably where I'd start. Or if I knew the space well enough because I was a personal trainer, then I'd, um, then I'd know what to build, you know? And I, and like, we're getting to that space as well, fortunately, where, you know, we tried out some things recently and it, it kind of brought up some limitations, at least for me, that I saw in our product. And I'm like, oh shit, we can build X, Y, and Z. And so that's really useful. I think you just got to get some kind of feedback and feedback in, in the shape of um, like early feedback, helping you shape your product. And then once you actually launch it, the feedback should be whether you're getting any money. And if you're not getting any money, no one's signing up. Why aren't they signing up? Is it because they haven't heard of you or is it because they look at your product and think, I don't really need that or oh, it's not really worth the money. Like is your monetization, monetization model fucked? There are so many things and you need to just tweak things and tweak things. And sometimes you're kicking a, what is it kicking a dead horse and, and that's fine like that can happen but that's where you've got to pivot and uh, kenneth castle is a, is a brilliant example of this he was building a platform for course developers you, know, you could build your course and monetize your knowledge all this stuff and it was it was going okay he was making a bit of money but it was it was like he was constantly pushing uphill and he's a very passionate guy and he, he wants to help developers it, it wasn't working i guess and he pivoted and then he went into web3 and teaching people how to use uh, how to write web three code and he's absolutely smashing it. I don't know if he's public about like numbers or anything, but he's, he's smashing it because he pivoted and you have to be willing to pivot. You have to be willing to be wrong. And the minute you tie your ego to a project is the minute that you just, you just bury yourself because once your ego is so invested in this project succeeding and you don't succeed, then, then you're screwed, aren't you? As mm. if you can view it as something separate from yourself and you're looking for feedback and you're willing to change and you're willing to <laughs> be like water and just adapt. Well, that's when you really present yourself with an opportunity to succeed. And that's what I would do differently is not tie my identity up in the project and be so, you know, just, just, I don't want to call it stupid. It was just naive, you know? Yeah. It taught me so much about everything and having that experience, I wouldn't be the same without that experience. And, that's why I think it's if you want to do a startup, if you really want to do that, and it's not just about you know money. If your goal is freedom, there are other things you can do. But if you want to run a startup, you can do it. You know, go through it, uh, manage the risk. You know, you shouldn't be sacrificing your family's um, safety. You know, be careful, but do it. It will shape you in such beautiful ways. Yeah, I mean, there's also the Elizabeth Holmes model. As I'm watching, the do- <laughs> I'm watching what's it called, the dropout right now the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos story. And I'm just looking at like the way that that Theranos worked as a VC. And it's just like at every step, I'm like, how 
there was never a product that worked. There was never any validation. There was just like, there's the potential for this to be a huge thing. And it just like, they kept giving them money. And like, they kept being able to raise more and more money. And then it was just like, even on that end of things, because you were talking about, you have to be like water and like, let things be able to fail. I think in, in VC, it's harder to fail because there's more money involved. Like this can't fail because there's $120 million put into it. Like, and people are less likely to give up or pivot or change because it just feels like there's that much more weight behind it. Well, if they're expecting some multi billion tens of trillion dollar exit and you want to pivot to something smaller and they're like oh we got all this money and then yeah they won't let you i think that's the beauty of bootstrapping in indie is like the stakes can be especially in the beginning like it it it's not a bad thing if the stakes are low in the beginning because you can figure you can figure shit out Right. Like even with Fathom, like Fathom didn't start, Fathom started out making tens of dollars a week, like on like launch day, day one kind of thing. And like it was easier for us to think and pivot and change and and work towards better product market fit because it was like you and I both still had full time other work on. Yeah. Yeah. And like the the beauty of and if people want to rush past this and 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 be done with it and be at a place where they're making tons of money and their their life and their identity, like you said, revolves around this thing that they built, which is a hundred percent the case with Elizabeth Holmes as well. Is like the only thing she had was Theranos, at, yeah. because that like it just was such an all encompassing thing. Whereas for us in the beginning, it's like if Fathom had failed, it would have sucked, but it wasn't like the only thing we had going in our lives, the only project we were working on, even like you and I didn't go full time in Fathom for at least a year or two from, from day it's one. Nearly, it's nearly my two year, two year anniversary. I think it's one to say it's my two year anniversary since I um, went full time with Fathom. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be two year anniversary, April 20, 20 something. And, and I, you talk, we talk about risk and stuff. My risk was that I was making less money from my consulting work. I, you know, I was billing hourly and I remember, you know, I had to basically say, like, I'm not going to work these hours so that I can work on Fathom. And I, you know, it was a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that there might be a payoff, but it wasn't like I was saying, okay, I'm done with consulting. There's no income. Let's just go all in on Fathom. And so some people talk about that. And I think it was a book. Is it like the greatest secret, the, the, the key, the uh, how to, Napoleon, was it Napoleon Hill? Oh, how, it was some kind of wealth book. I think it was like the, the biggest secret is that you can't turn back. So you have to force it and make it. I don't particularly like that. No, um, that seems I, risky. It's not, yeah. And I get everyone's different. So you, you can't prescribe stuff. Hey, so let, let's, uh, let's wrap this episode up. You, like in the simplest way possible, someone's looking to start a business, right? What do they do to get product market fit? I try to describe it, you know, long form talking to people, What's your prescription, if you've got one, for finding product market fit? Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to like, is there a problem that you can solve quickly or or easily? Uh, And then is that something people are going to pay you for? And there's obviously far more in it than that, but that's all business is. Can you solve a problem and are people going to give you money to solve it? Right? Like all of the other things kind of play off of that, but those are the two pillars of like, this is like business basically yeah i agree your mileage may vary yeah just keep keep trying 
don't let it burn you out. Be balanced. Don't quit your job unless you, like you can make time. You can find time. Like, I'm changing my schedule all the time. You know, <laughs> you can you can make time and find time. It's going to be hard, but I know I love startups, dude. I mean, I'm not saying everyone should have a startup, but if you want, if you really, I've always wanted to have a startup since I was 16. I've always wanted to be doing this. And yeah, I never think, did. Isn't it amazing? You never did. <laughs> I never did. <laughs> <laughs> so you fell into this. But to be fair, I mean, you were born, what, 60s, coming out of, it was a very different time in the 60s than, say, like, when I was born in the, what, the 2000s. Yeah, like, like eight, two, eight years ago. Eight years like ago, that. exactly. Yeah. Very different to how, to how things were. So that makes sense that you weren't looking at. But yeah, so like, if you're struggling, I'll tell you what, if you're our listeners as well, because I like this, um, if you can find my email, I don't know if you want to do this, Paul, if you're busy or I'm, send us an email if you're struggling, because I kind of like looking at sites and giving feedback. I'll do yeah. maybe the first first three or four that come in. So yeah. Sure. I mean, free. just email support, then that yeah. I can, I'll just that. assign We've those done that to you. Before. We've done that before. People have emailed us and then both of us have gone in on it and yeah. given feedback. It's obviously, it's not something we can do at scale, but it's nice to do occasionally, isn't it? Because yeah. I feel like we can bring something to the table. All right. Yeah. yeah. If, if you want us to check, if you want Jack and I to check something out, email support. Well, we'll check it out if we can. <laughs> it's good backfires. It's just like fun stuff. I know. But that'll be fun. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.